Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humanity. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning, when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth, before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favour. Morning everyone, great to see you at church, so welcome, welcome if you're listening to this online or watching on YouTube, great that you could catch up online. Please turn with me if you have a Bible to the book of Proverbs. Um, we are doing this series called Wisdom for Everyday Life from the book of Proverbs. While you turn to Proverbs, maybe I should just say a big congratulations to all the South Africans in the house, I know we have a few here. Um, your team utterly and thoroughly deserve to win the Rugby World Cup final. So well done. Congratulations. You have no idea how hard it was for me just to say that. So we're looking at this um, series called Wisdom for Everyday Life. Um, we talked about this last week. We all need wisdom, don't we, for the ordinary stuff of life, for relationships and families and work and conversation and finances. We need wisdom. And Proverbs tells us there is a wisdom available that is from God. It encourages us to call out for his wisdom, to cry aloud for wisdom, to know that actually the knowledge of God, to, to know God is there, is the beginning of wisdom. And there is a wisdom available for every single one of us for everyday life. Not just what happens in the church, but for what happens tomorrow morning and this week. And I said last week, I said again, who would like to know more of heaven's wisdom for their life? I'm, I'm sure all of us would say yes to that. And the Proverbs encourages us, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're simple, whether you think yourself wise, it's all inclusive. There is a wisdom available for us. And you know, Proverbs isn't the only place that actually talks about that. And many places in the Bible talks about wisdom. Um, in the New Testament, James, who was Jesus's brother, wrote a letter. And James talks about the fact that there are two wisdoms available for us to live our lives by. If you look at James chapter 3, verses 13 to 17, he says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from 
wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. James says it's even demonic wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. James is saying there's two types of wisdom available to you. One wisdom is from heaven, and one wisdom is actually unspiritual, it's from the earth. And we've got to make a decision, what kind of wisdom are we going to build our lives upon? How we make decisions, how we plan, how we engage in family, how we engage in work, how we engage with all kinds of things is impacted by what wisdom we're building our life upon. Our two types of wisdom. Now the question for all of us is, which wisdom are we going to choose? Today I'm going to talk about an absolutely massive subject. So I hope you're ready, because I'm going to talk today about knowing God's wisdom for how we handle our money, for our finances. Proverbs says a huge amount about wisdom for money, wisdom for financial health. In fact, the whole Bible says a lot about it. Do you know in Proverbs there are um, 101 verses in the book of Proverbs alone about money and about how we handle our wealth. In the Bible, um, some writers have reckoned there are 2,350 verses giving specific instruction about what we do with money and how we have financial health. And Proverbs is incredibly practical. It talks about budgeting, and it talks about investments, and it talks about saving, and it talks about wise spending choices, and it talks about greed, and it talks about poverty, and it talks about generosity. Proverbs kind of covers all the bases. And man, don't we need heaven's wisdom when it comes to how we handle money? Hugely important subject. A report published last year on the website moneyadvisor.co.uk reported that the majority of the people in the UK, 77% are stressed by money. 77% of the UK population stressed about money. So if that's true of this room, three quarters of us are stressed about finances right now. Um, it actually says that report that 14% of people in the UK worry about money every single day. Um, actually, my own testimony would be this. I don't get worried about much in life, but if I'm going to get anxious about anything, it will be about finances. That will be my own testimony. And um, actually, through adulthood, of which there's been 26 years of it for me now, um, I've got better at that, but still, in, there's moments where I feel anxious about finances, and it can impact all of us. The report said that 80% of those surveyed stated they'd be happier if they earned more money. 80% said they'd be happier if they earned more money. Now, we know right now there are many, many people in the UK living in abject poverty. And um, money is, is an issue not of luxury, but of have I got enough money to feed my kids? So you fully understand that statistic when actually you're left with choices every day, like do I have enough food? That's reality in the UK. Other people in the UK may be more comfortable financially, but still believe, actually, if I had more money, I would be happier in life. Even though all the evidence points to the fact that more money does not necessarily lead to greater happiness. 
These are important statistics. 20% of people think they're bad handling their money. 20% of people in the UK say they are genuinely scared to even check their bank account. One in five people in our nation don't want to check what's going on in our financial health. 38% of those surveyed said they don't feel comfortable talking about their money struggles. It's interesting, isn't it? It's something we all have to deal with, actually, whether we have little of it or a lot of it, and it can cause stress and anxiety, whether you have little or whether you have a lot. And I'm reckoning in this room today, as I'm speaking about God's wisdom for finances, there are people who are anxious. There are people who are struggling financially. There are people who are wondering how to pay the next bills. There are people at all kinds of different levels in this room. So we need God's wisdom when it comes to money. And also this, I really believe this, we need to lift the lid on the conversation and not see money as a taboo subject. And 38% of the population don't want to talk about it. That's why we run things like the money course here. That's why we run and have King's Money Advice, because we say it's really important that we talk about money, because it's one of the biggest causes of anxiety and stress in our nation. So we need to have conversations. We want to look at what the Bible says. We want to offer support, and I'd encourage you to seek out some of those things that we offer. You know, I wonder what kind of influences you most when it comes to money, because let's be clear, we're all influenced by something when it comes to how we view money. It may be your upbringing and your experience or what, how your parents viewed money. You might model them or react against them, but it's impacting your perspective on money. Or it might be TV, or it might be advertising. We all have different voices influencing how we view and handle money. I guess the question we all have to ask ourselves is, do we really believe the Bible has anything to say that influences how I handle my money? Do I believe this book is relevant? Do I believe that Proverbs written 3,000 years ago have anything to say to what I do or don't do with my money today? Do we turn to Scripture's wisdom, or do we not turn to Scripture's wisdom because we're scared of what it might actually say when it speaks about money? I want to pray because I think this is a massive issue. So anyone here want heaven's wisdom for their financial management? I'm hoping you are. So let's pray together. Father, just in these moments we have together, I'm praying, will you speak clearly through your words? We want to be people that build our life upon the rock of Scripture. On this wisdom, Lord, I pray you would speak to us today and help us, Lord God, consider our own relationship with money and what it might mean to have your wisdom impact our choices in Jesus' name. Amen. So this wisdom that I'm going to be speaking about is relevant for everyone. I don't believe the Bible's teaching becomes relevant when you hit 35 or 40, okay? I believe it is relevant however old or young you are, teenagers, 20s, um, because actually money is not just about how much you have. Money is a discipleship issue. Money is a worship issue. And so it's actually relevant for every single person in the room. God doesn't need our money. Let me just say that. The reason he says so much about it is because he cares about our well-being, and he knows the dangers that money can have when we place too much emphasis on it. As I have said earlier, my experience is as I have got older, trusting God with money hasn't necessarily gotten easier. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you're in your teens or in your 20s, to apply biblical principles now. Don't assume that one day it's going to become easy to do this. I don't think that's true. I think the earlier you can apply Bible wisdom when it comes to this issue, the better, actually. And I'm going to go through five principles about money that I think Proverbs speaks about this morning. So notebooks ready, smartphones ready. Here are five principles. The first principle is this. Don't put your hope in money. I think Proverbs says that really, really clearly. Don't put your hope in money. I think a lot of our nation puts its hope on money. 80% of people surveyed said they would be happier if they earned more of it. We've been taught by the wisdom of the world that greater wealth equals greater happiness. If I could only win the lottery, then dot, 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 look at all that my life could become. That's kind of the message that we hear. But Proverbs says something else. It says Proverbs is, um, it says that money is useful and there's nothing wrong with money in and of itself. It should be handled well, but its ability to bring you wholeness and happiness is very, very limited. Money is not the answer to well-being and wholeness. In fact, Proverbs tells us that the amount of money we have will be completely irrelevant when we die. Proverbs 11 verse 4, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. That's the day when we stand before God. But righteousness delivers us from death. On that day when we stand before God, the amount of money that we have will be completely irrelevant. What will be relevant is the righteousness of your life that comes from Jesus alone. No one ever kind of lies on their deathbed crying out that they wish they spent more time at the office to earn more money. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. Proverbs 23 warns us about giving our best energy to pursue money. It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. How true is this? People spend their lives chasing after wealth, getting worn out, getting ill, sacrificing other really important things in their lives, like family and friendship in the pursuit of wealth. And Proverbs says, don't do it. Don't wear yourself out, because riches are temporary, more temporary than you think they are. Don't be daft wearing yourself out, getting rich. Don't have a relentless pursuit after money. There are greater things in the world to relentlessly pursue than finance. We can think money will bring us security, but Proverbs says that isn't the case. Proverbs 11.28, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And Proverbs 18.11, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. What's he saying? The, the wealthy imagine that their wealth is like this security around them, that no one's going to be able to harm them. And the writer of the Proverbs says, just, just isn't true. In fact, we really need to see what he's saying if we look at the verse before that verse. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. What's he saying? Security is found in God only. That's where people run for security. But the wealthy think it's their wealth that is their security, but it's not. It can only be found in God. Money is not the answer 
God is. Money's useful, but it shouldn't become the sole focus of our life. And Proverbs repeatedly tells us that wisdom is more profitable than gold or silver, and that a good name is more desirable than great riches. Proverbs 22, verse 1. So the first principle is this. Don't put your hope in it. It's temporary. It'll be irrelevant when you stand before God. Don't spend your life pursuing it and getting worn out. Actually, there are things that are more important in your life than money. And actually, it never satisfies you. As one person once said, money is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. First principle. Second principle in this is this. We are to honor God with our money. If it's not meant to be our life's pursuit, we're not meant to put our hope in money, Proverbs tells us that we should honor God with our money. If you look at Proverbs chapter 3, these opening chapters, like I mentioned last week, are a, a father giving instruction to his son. And in Proverbs 3, we'll read things like, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. Verse 6, acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then verse 9, look at this, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflow and then your vats will brim over with new wine. So if you want to apply the Bible's wisdom when it comes to finances, this is like such a foundational principle that we have to start off with, with wise money management. We are to honor God with our money. If we don't land that one, nothing else will make sense. That's the starting place. We are to honor God with our money because what we do with money is an issue of worship. And no, again, this isn't dependent on an amount. This is true if you have one pound in your pocket or if you have a thousand pounds in your pocket, the key thing is, is how am I honoring God with what he's entrusted to me? That's the key principle of biblical wisdom when it comes to money. It doesn't say when you think you are financially secure, then begin to honor God with your money. It says, no, no, first of all, honor God with your wealth. It says, with your first fruits of all your crops. A farming analogy. So imagine you had an orchard and um, you had a harvest of apples and this principle is basically that when harvest time comes, you give to God, first of all, a proportion of your apples. That's the first thing that you do. Before you think about anything else that you do with your apples, you give a proportion of it to God first. Honor him with the first fruits. It's not, see if you have enough apples left over um, and then give to God. It's not... Um, See um, if there are any spare apples. It's not give God the mangy apples that you can't sell and no one wants to eat. It's give God your first apples, the first fruits of your crops. What he's saying is, before you spend anything else, you should be thinking, how am I honoring God with what he's given me? And again, listen, it's not about an amount. It's about a heart because this is about worship. We give God first. We give God the best. If you want to build your life upon financial wisdom, you cannot get away from this principle. And this is not my idea. I'm just, Abraham gave the 10th 
10% of what he had before the law even existed. The law of the Old Testament talks about tithing 10% unto the Lord. Proverbs talks about honoring God with the first fruits of our wealth. At the end of the Old Testament, Malachi says, how long would he try and rob God and not bring him the tithe into the storehouse? If you just honored him with your wealth, see how much blessing God would pour out on you. Jesus assumed we would give. He said, when you give, this is how you should do it. He honored the widow who gave just a couple of coins into the temple because she gave all that she had. The first church in were completely generous with all that they had and Paul commended the churches for excelling in the grace of generosity it's just the whole book this is the first principle we honor God with our wealth it's not because he needs our money it's because we need to learn how to trust him it's because we need to learn how to be grateful for what he's given us because we need to learn that this is as much of our worship as singing a song on a Sunday morning. What we do with our money speaks as loud to God as our songs. And you won't hear this anywhere else, okay? You won't hear it anywhere else. You only hear it from the Bible. Honor God first. It's biblical wisdom. It's heavenly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. Like I said, irrelevant if it's a pound or a thousand pounds. Sometimes we fall into the train of thought, well, I'll start giving to God when I reach this threshold, when I reach this level of comfort, when I get to this point, then I'll start. If that is your attitude, you will never start giving. You just won't happen because there is always something else to reach for that the world will say, just do that first. It's an intention. It's a decision. It's a plan that you make. My experience of adulthood over the last 26 years is that it doesn't get easier, but actually every time I give to God, I'm demonstrating that I trust him above anything else. So we made a decision when we got married 22 years ago. I know you can hardly believe I've been married 22 years. I don't know that. 22 years ago that we would honor God first with our money. So we gave to God and then we decided what we could spend on what was left. And when we got married, I was 21 and I earned 10,000 pounds a year. So we didn't have a lot of money, but we said, we're going to start there. And every month of our married life, we have given to God. And we've sought to increase our giving to God. Because there is a biblical wisdom that says, honor God first with your wealth. And there is a result. Look at that. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Guys, it's not formulaic. It's not, well, if I give God to this, I wonder when he's going to give it back to me. There's an eternal, there's an eternal perspective that says God will honor and reward those who are faithful and honor him. There just is. Do you know what our world will say about our money? The prevailing wisdom of our culture? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I don't know if any of you have seen the um, movie Finding Nemo. Anyone know the seagulls on Finding Nemo? I don't know if we can. Just have the seagulls from Finding Nemo. Keep it going a bit longer, Josh, shall we? Should we keep going? Okay, thank you. This is what the world will say to you. Mine. It's mine, 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 it's mine, it's all mine. The Bible says, narrow it isn't. It's God's, it's his. Because everything you have 
and everything you are is due to his faithfulness and goodness in your life. It's his. To say Jesus is Lord of your life is to say Jesus, you are Lord of everything. It's yours. Honor God with your money. It's biblical wisdom. Okay, third principle, because I need to move on. Work hard for your money. I want to talk about this because Proverbs says a lot about this. Proverbs is full of common sense and it actually really commends those that work hard to build financial health and actually really um, is quite strong in its opposition of people who are lazy. Learning from nature. Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 8. Go to the ants, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. (laughs) You sluggard. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It says, learn from nature. And even an ant works hard to actually gain resources and then budgets for them in such a way that it has resources through the winter. And Proverbs 10 verse 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12 verse 11 warns us against living in cloud cuckoo land when it comes to money. doesn't celebrate daydreaming and living in fantasies, but it says those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. It's that real down-to-earth common sense. Get a job, earn a living, work hard. Don't just chase fantasies. There's a reality about Proverbs. There's a common sense about it. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Or the New Living Translation says it this way, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. So Proverbs actually commends hard work. It doesn't commend laziness. It doesn't commend fantasies or financial daydreaming. It says work hard. Be like the ants, put stuff away, make a plan. Which is actually my fourth principle on wise financial management from the book of Proverbs. Make good plans when it comes to managing your money. And again, this principle is true whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. Um, We need to plan and budget and think carefully about our finances. We are to steward it carefully. It's biblical and godly to manage our finances well. We actually must be careful not to adopt the line of thinking of super spirituality that says, I don't need to worry about my money. God's got it covered. God will provide. That's not what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, no, no, take care with what God gives you. Yeah, he's your provider, but also he has entrusted things to you that you need to look after well. So Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. What's that talking about? It's talking about saving. It's the wise put resources aside. The fools are the ones that gulp down their resources straight away. It's the fools who immediately go out and spend their paycheck the moment it arrives in their bank. No, no, the wise are people that make contingencies and think about the future. It's the fool that gulps down their food and olive oil too quickly. It's biblical wisdom. Our culture's wisdom is... Get money, go out and spend it. Or even if you haven't got money, go out and spend it. Proverbs says, no, no, hang on a second. No, no, you need to put stuff aside. There's contingency, there's plans to be made. Budgets and financial planning are good. And I know for many people, it's like, I don't even know where to begin with that. That's why we run the money course here. 
That's why we run a Have Kings Money Advice, because we want to help people establish firm foundational financial principles in their life. Proverbs 27, verse 23 to 24 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches don't endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Um, in the ancient world, your flocks were your um, currency. This is your wealth. And it's saying, pay attention to what you've got. Know what you've got. Know what wealth you have. Be on it. Don't be naive to it. Pay attention to it. Plan well. We are to actually be, we're encouraged to steward and to budget and to plan well when it comes to money. Plan for contingencies. Don't just spend whatever you get. Wisdom number five, principle number five. We've looked at four so far. This is the fifth one. Be generous with your money. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Listen to this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Generosity is commended. Generosity is encouraged. Generosity is aligned with wisdom. If you want to be wise, generosity is part of wise living. It actually refreshes us. Jesus said something very similar. He said once that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Actually, there is a promise of reward. It may be an eternal reward, but there is a reward guaranteed. Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Church, to be wise is to be generous, and to be generous is to be wise. If I had more time, I would show you many, many other places in the Bible where it says that if we have received financial wealth, it is not purely for our benefit, it is that we may be a blessing to others. Time and time again, biblical wisdom on how we handle our money. Do you know, in a moment, you may have noticed um, we didn't take up our offering in the middle because we're going to do it in response at the end. We've got these gift days coming up um, today and next week. We're raising money and we're going to take an offering for regular giving and for gift day giving in those moments. We want to be a generous church because we believe that's what the Bible encourages us to do, to be generous. Right now, there are 3.4 million people who are facing a humanitarian crisis in Kenya because of droughts and now actually monsoon floods that are wiping away whole communities. And we have friends there who are seeking to help and they haven't, they've run out of resources. Whoever is generous, whoever refreshes someone else will with themselves be refreshed. There's an immediate application to this. Um, you know we've got friends, Edwin and Frida Berea in Kenya, who we want to give to as part of our gift days. I asked Edward this week if he'd do a quick update for us and show. He recorded a video yesterday afternoon and sent to me. I wonder, guys, can we run that? That would be brilliant. Thank you. We have been having a very severe uh, drought in this country. Uh, for many months, I just kept quiet, just mobilizing the local churches here to see how we can be able to uh, support those that were in need of food, relief supplies, uh, but just reached a point where really we, we just got overwhelmed and I had to shout. And uh, some of the people to remember, of course, is you people, is you dear people who have uh, this long-standing relationship with us. Uh, I just had to 
uh, speak to Pastor Jim and notify him of what we were going through. It touches my heart big time when I hear uh, Pastor Jim saying that you have uh, uh, decided to take an offering for us. And I, I, it is in that background I come to you to say thank you so much uh, because the need is great. Uh, we've been able to move from one extreme to another. Within one month, uh, this country was having struggling massively with the, a severe drought that has affected over 24 counties. And suddenly, we find ourselves again with another extreme, and that is floods. Flash floods that are completely sweeping, sweeping the crops. Uh, many lives have been uh, lost during uh, this period, the last couple of weeks. Uh, even some of our churches have been swept away by these floods. And it's clear uh, the effect of the drought and now the effect of the floods uh, will affect many people. And it will be many months before uh, people can really get back again to normalcy. So we, we are putting in place mechanisms to make sure that uh, we continue to uh, give regular supplies to those that need uh, our help, especially the 32 churches within Meru North and a number of churches in fact, Trukana and Samburu will require to be supported for quite some time. I think we'll jump to the new year uh, having to support them. And so uh, every coin and every pound that will be given to us uh, will be put in proper use uh, under prudent management so that we can be able to uh, make sure that lives are sustained and given hope even as uh, 2020 comes our way. Once again, I wanna say thank you so much. Your friendship is real friendship. We've come a long way and uh, it's clear. I mean, from Kenya and UK, we have a testimony of the goodness of the Lord through the friendship that we enjoy. And we do pray that God will continue to keep this friendship flourished and we will continue to continue making Jesus famous in both situations. Uh, we're looking forward, uh, God opening a way for us to be able to come to you uh, sometimes next year. The same is true with a man that we love very much. Jim is loved here. He's, he's a big treasure at Kambake Christian Center. So God bless you so much as you take this offering. Uh, we will appreciate uh, the continued support so that we can keep lives alive. God bless you and have a wonderful service. Thank you. Honestly, money that we're going to give in the gift days it will save lives. It will save lives. And in a moment, we're going to do that. There are given envelopes on chairs. And well, whether it's regular giving or gift day giving, we're going to take both together. And we just ask you to tick the right part of those envelopes. In the moment, we'll do that. And put the wisdom of Proverbs into practice. Guys, I've given you five principles today that I believe are in the book of Proverbs. Don't put your hope in money. Um, honor God with your wealth. Work hard and plan well with your finances and be generous. It's the wisdom of the Bible, not the wisdom of the world. And listen, this is incredibly challenging stuff. I don't know if anyone else finds it very, very challenging. I, I do, because my default, because I've been brought up in a Western materialistic culture, I've been brought up in an environment that says, no, no, it's mine. And I've got to be intentional. I've got to be deliberate. I've made mistakes on this. There's moments in my life where I'm led to hold tightly rather than trust God. And you're maybe there thinking, oh, my goodness, what do I do here? What do I do that? The key thing I want to encourage you is to make a decision today to start applying biblical wisdom wherever you are at, whatever that means for you on some of these principles. And it will mean different things for all of us. Nothing will happen 
by accident, nothing will happen by chance. We have to be intentional about these things. So how are we doing when it comes to money? Do, do our current principles line up with these principles from Proverbs? You know, right at the end of Proverbs, I've just finished with this, in the penultimate chapter in Proverbs 30, there's a, a section written, not by Solomon actually, by another guy called Agar. And Agar prays, and it's one of the only prayers in the whole book. And Agar prays this, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's the first thing that he's asking for, that I'm not, I won't become a liar. Keep falsehood and lies from me. This is the second thing he's asking God. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's Interesting, this guy says, I don't want poverty. Poverty's never celebrated in the Bible, never. But neither does he want riches. It's interesting, um, I think many of us pray, oh Lord, I don't want to be led into poverty. I don't know how many of us pray, God, I don't want to be led into riches. Why? Why is his reason? He said, well, in terms of riches, I don't want to be led into riches because when I have too much, I might disown you and say, who is the Lord? It's this warning that when we have riches, we may stop trusting in God. And so I don't need you anymore. And neither do I want to be led into poverty and so become desperate in my life, do things that might dishonor God, he says. We often pray, I think, keep me from poverty. But guys, the wisdom of Proverbs says, be careful about riches as well. Do we pray, keep me from riches? Do we have a, that balance when it comes to understanding the biblical wisdom and wealth? I want us to pray. Um, why don't we stand, Ben? Thank you.